listening to the new game Bullshit. Okay, so um, I'm Jeffrey Wittenhagen. We're doing some 90s gaming nostalgia. Um, initially, we were going to just make it about the Super Nintendo, but as I always tend to get off track, we might as well make it all 90s. Okay. <laughs> um, with me, I have some contributors to the complete SNES book. If Reggie, if you want to hold up, he, he has the actual proof copy. Uh, yeah, you heard it. It's a gigantic 500-page Super Nintendo book. Right here, you can see the Nestronomicon Ex Mortis, now the uh, leather-bound cover of the complete NES. So I've done multiple collector's guides uh, for systems. And some guys, including Riggs and Reggie and Sergio, yeah, reached out and wanted to participate. And I was eternally grateful. It helped, yes. helped me get the book out in an extra year out. It helped me get it out a year earlier, actually, because I didn't have to write every single review. Um, and, and little people don't know this, but Sergio actually did the editing for the NES book, oh. believe it or not. <laughs> so if there's anything wrong with the Nintendo book, blame him. <laughs> so um, I also do a podcast called Video Game Bullshit, um, <laughs> and we BS about video games. We, re we release a new episode every week. So this is being recorded for VGBS as well. Oh, so oh, nice. we call it VGBS Live, because I've been going to a lot of panels this year. This is, what, my 12th this year? I'm just doing the, the rounds as an author, because I'm not a YouTube personality like everyone else. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just write books and do some cool stuff and try to do as many any cool things as an author as possible. Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself, Serge, and we'll go across. You guys, my name is Sergio Elisondo. My last name is kind of hard to remember, so just think of me as Sergio Holograms. It's the projection that I do. Um, I do a lot of YouTube work, uh, a lot of uh, NES arrangements. Um, recently, I put out a first-of-its-kind Nintendo musical cart. This is real hardware, real audio, and it's called The Winner Is You. You can find it at RetroUSB.com. Pop it in your NES or uh, AVS, and you get real audio. Full on, like 14, 15 tracks. Check it out anyway. I'm a musician and also a bit of an editor as well. So. <laughs> did, did anybody see Sergio's concert last night? Like, he literally had full-sized holograms behind him with him playing every part of the song. So, like, from, like, the drums to the keyboards, like... It's mind-blowing. Like, and you have to see it live. It doesn't show up well on like a, a video or no, something. It's pretty bad. Like, it, it, was, it was a badass. Thank you. <laughs> oh, um, I'm John Riggs. I'm probably best known as just being a friend of Metal Jesus on his channel. Um, also host my own YouTube <laughs> channel uh, where I show how to do um, hacks and tutorials and repros, how to, uh, like tutorials on how you can do uh, your own. And I'm happy to be here. And 
and, I can, and repairs too, like how to, like not just fixing broken video games, but how you can fix your own broken video games to get some life back into them, hopefully, make them so they don't lose their magic dust. I'm Reggie Williams. Uh, you guys probably seen me on the Metal Jesus channel. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, I'm pretty much an avid uh, collector. Uh, I like coming to these shows uh, every year. Uh, I pretty much uh, I try to do a YouTube channel, but it's pretty much basically just for fun and everything. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I just want to say I'm just, I was happy to contribute to this book. Uh, I was really honored to do some reviews because a lot of these games, uh, I have a lot of fond memories of them. And, and he's so chill that this is his, his high energy. That that's his high energy. That's, that's like when you see when you see Reggie on the floor, he will have games that he just bought in his hands. Like at all times. Like the dude every time I see him, I'm like, what you got now, Reggie? <laughs> Guy's crazy. But I blame Riggs okay. and another guy named Sean Long for basically hitting me up on the same day saying, dude, you're doing a Super Nintendo book. Right. Get me in. Let yeah. me in. Let me in. Let me in. As soon as, he announced, <laughs> as soon as it was announced, I was like, I gotta get my name published in this thing. So I hit him up. Uh, yeah. Shot long. Did the same thing. Um, and all three of us friends anyway. So I was like, Oh, you hit him up too? Yeah, you hit him up too. So yeah. And I then like it, it went from like them to like explosion of YouTube personalities right. well, I mean, and after that I think and like Reggie saying like, Hey, I'm gonna be doing this book. Just help out, dude. Yeah. So. And like literal like there's people who are also authors that are contributing. People that run websites like subject matter experts on the Super Nintendo are contributing to the books. Um, the other aspect that we went to this time that I didn't go with this one yet is the Super Nintendo Compendium, and that allows everybody who backs the books to write stories. And it's going to be different because that right there has quick, concise paragraphs on the Super Nintendo. So every game's in there, including unreleased games and homebrews and PAL exclusives and, un and licensed games and the unlicensed game. The one, Super Noah's Ark 3D. Um, <laughs> and, um, but it's concise. The compendium is your stories, my stories, their stories. I don't want to see Super Mario Brothers as a platformer. I want to see when I was a kid, I could never rent Super Mario, Super Mario World because it was always out of stock. It never could rent it. So then I saved up money and bought it. Like I want to see the personal stories because that's fun for me to read. And that's what we want to do today is just tell some stories. I think that's going to be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the book is still available for pre-order since there, I know that there's people at PRGE that don't know exi it exists, even though no matter how much I get it out there, there's still people that don't know about it. So basically, um, it's up for pre-order right now. If you go to HagensAlley.com or CompleteSNES.com, the top right-hand corner says go here, it goes to a backer kit, and you can pre-order the Super Nintendo book, which is with the publisher right now. It'll be out in like a week. Um, and then the Super Nintendo Compendium, as well as write stories, too, so you can get into the book and be a part of the huge collaboration that I'm doing. Um, so let's talk some 90s. Cool. Uh, so what is your favorite, Sergio, sitting over there being all quiet, what is your favorite Super Nintendo game? You know, that's a, a very tough one. Or series. Series, okay. Throw you a bone, I brother. Throw you a bone. I do like the rush. It's in Japan known as the Rushing Beat series. Here, it was just scattered. It was a mess. But we had Rival Turf. Anybody? Yep. Brawl Brothers. Yep. Peacekeepers. Yep. They're uh, they're more like gems. They're um, they're all beat 'em ups, right? All beat 'em ups. Very uh, Final Fight like ish. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, those are my favorite games on the Super Nintendo. I mean, because it's always fun to play with somebody else. I personally am into co-op games and sharing the experience with somebody else. And so um, mm -hmm. I always kind of lean towards that. 
And um, yeah, let's go. Nice. Cool. Uh, my favorite Super Nintendo game is ActRaiser. It oh. was one of the first games I ever rented for the Super Nintendo. Um, and I don't know if I have a reason I liked it. I love the music behind it. I liked the platforming action style was cool, but I liked just the building the town. And then I felt bad when I had to like torch the village to build it up better when the population <laughs> got more. But I was like, oh, I got to do it. And got an actress right there. See, there you go. That's what it's all about, right? Yes, good taste. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There you go. Beat me to it, so. Oh, I have the act raiser for sure. And that was a game, um, a humble household. I got like the one game, especially in the 90s. Um, like I'll get one game for Christmas, one game for my birthday. And the act raiser was one of those games I did have to save up my paper out money to actually buy myself because I probably rented it enough times to buy it five times over. So once I finally owned it, then I was, I was good to go, man. I still have it. So, so, so you got my brain turning. So if you didn't really like the platforming aspects of ActRiser 1, right. how did you feel about ActRiser 2? I, you probably didn't play it back in the day because it was pretty obscure. Yeah. No, I, we had it at a rental store. Oh, nice. So I, I, when it first came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And I played it, and it was like, yeah, that's all. It, and I liked the platforming action part of ActRiser 1. Um, wasn't my favorite part of the game, though. Um, but yeah, when I played ActRiser 2, I'm like, what about the other part? <laughs> So, yeah, I, I rented it once, and that was pretty much it. I probably returned it the same day, too. I had it for three days. I returned it the same night, grabbed something else. Like, get this out of yeah, here. Like, I think it's broken. I don't know. I'm going to grab something else now. <laughs> the whole building mode's out of it. Like. Yeah, I know. It's broken. I don't know. It works for me. Reg? Uh, my favorite game, well, I, I like the underdog when it comes to the mascots of the 90s. Like, you guys know Sonic and uh, like Mario and stuff like that. I was actually into the Sparkster games, the Rocket Knight. Uh, had a really good memory with uh, Sparkster. Um, I actually was never able to beat it, unfortunately. I'm still trying to this day. But <laughs> there's a part in the game where it, the game has really, uh, it really changes things up. It's a really good platform game. Sometimes it, it turns into like, almost like a schmuck in a way. They have levels like that. Yeah. But uh, there's a boss in that game. It's like Rock'em Sock'em Robot. And it's, uh, <laughs> I still cannot beat it. But it's still my favorite game of all time. I love the Sparkster series. Uh, awesome game. You guys should check it out. Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> so there's a little known thing that the Genesis version, because uh, you have Sparkster, Sparkster, Rocket Knight. The Genesis version of Sparkster is a completely different game. So you actually have three games that you yeah, can have in the 16-bit era. Yeah, it's it's actually a really cool aspect when when systems did that, and that's why like when you watch certain channels that compare and contrast, like that's a really cool thing when you can see like Sparkster and Sparkster aren't the same game. Like right. that's awesome. I actually feel like the Super Nintendo one is the better game. So you guys want to check? Them. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna have to do the candid answer that my favorite game on the Super Nintendo is my favorite game of all time. That would be the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. Like, I, I have to do it. I mean, I even have the link to the Triforce tattoo. Like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, I just go hand in hand with Zelda. The, the unfortunate thing, and the thing that a lot of people don't know, is that the original Legend of Zelda scarred me as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was also from a humble household. Sure. Only got like one game again, you know, for birthdays and Christmas. The same thing, like parallel type, yeah. you know, upbringing. However, so I, I went and rented The Legend of Zelda. Went and played it all weekend. Didn't turn off the Nintendo because I, you know, was so into it. Got all the way to Ganon. He, he reveals. And the game froze. I turned it back on, the save's gone. I didn't save the whole weekend because I was playing it in one shot. And you know, I would leave it on all weekend, probably the 
Nintendo either overheated, the pins moved a little, who knows? But I was like, screw this, never touching Zelda again. <laughs> and then, you know, Nintendo Power did that awesome Legend of Zelda spread. I'm seeing it, I'm like getting into it. Um, I actually didn't get my Super Nintendo until many years later because, again, humble upbringing. I had to save up for my Super Nintendo. The actual Super Nintendo that I got was the Super Mario World Super Mario All-Stars combo cartridge. That's how late it was. That's how late it was. That was, like, what, five years into it? Six years into it? Like, that's by the time. Because, you know, as a kid, I'm like, oh, I need this candy right now. I need this, like, as I'm saving up. So it took me forever to save. So by the time I played Link to the Past, it blew my mind. Oh, sure. Like, I was well over the scarification of you know being triggered from playing Zelda like it's one of those things well, with Super Nintendo you don't have to hold reset to push power you know so yeah, yeah exactly I actually never used to do that and he used to oh, save okay rebel. I'm a rebel <laughs> but I also lost my Legend of Zelda <laughs> save so there know. there is that sure. but yeah so so you know, Zelda Link to the Past always. Um, I'm debating for the compendium. I wrote a very, very extensive guide for the Link to the Past where I went over in depth every like dungeon and the overworld. And because I'm obsessed about the game, I play it multiple times a year. Um, and I'm debating whether to put that in the back of the compendium or not because I think that would be a really cool aspect. But um, if I get a lot of con- contributions, like it's going to be not 200 pages like I put on the Kickstarter, it's going to be 250 pages. Because the guy who made this cover made one for the compendium, and he made it the size of 250 pages. So I got to up my game. There you go. <laughs> Plus, we've hit plenty of stretch goals now, even in backer kit. I didn't tell people this, but I kept the stretch goals going, even when backer kit hit. So, like, we hit a double. Instead of doing a single-sided bookmark, we did a double-sided with an awesome painting on the back. Like, I just did a bunch of cool stuff. And, I mean, I'm going to continue to do that for forever. Um, Okay, so let's go with Reggie. What's the coolest thing you found here at Portland Retro Gaming Expo so far? Collecting, collecting. You know, I actually left it at the booth. You don't have to show it, just tell us. It was, a, <laughs> it was actually uh, a game for the PSP. It's called uh, Gunhound. Uh, it's like a, kind of like a mech type uh, side scroller. Oh, nice. It's really cool. And uh, one more item. So, right there. So, uh, so, I got E limited edition for the PSP. Uh, Pretty cool. I like that so PSP collecting is pretty much it's the optimal time to start collecting PSP right now. Excellent, Riggs. You find anything cool? Uh, yeah, totally. I found um, I found that nobody's doing uh, Famicom Disk System games here. Um, those are the hardest to find. I can barely find any. I found three. Um, nice. I, one of them was Texas Savvy. I didn't. Not gonna do me any good. Uh, one of them Castlevania Two. Don't need it. Another one didn't care for it. Mm. Uh, but I did have one guy come up to me in my booth and say, hey, I heard you like Famicom Disk System games, do you want to do a trade? And then he whipped out two Famicom Disk System games I didn't have, so nice. I had a trade with that guy and kept the cash in my pocket. With which games? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember, what, don't, remember, don't remember what they were, but they both look pretty cool. So. Both look pretty cool. I'll, I'll find out when I get home, I guess. It's, it's like somebody should include that in a book sometime. Yeah, a Famicom Disk System section, maybe? I'll, I'll let you guys know a future project near the end. Okay. <laughs> Sir? I think what I found was a, um, it was over at James's uh, stand, Gwindian's stand. I oh, Gwindian. a Zelda children's book with the uh, cassette tape. Oh. Cassette tapes. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I found. I, I take it everybody's went by Gwindian's one with all the craziness yeah, the of that back corner booth. Like, geez. Yeah. So, so mine has to do with that back corner booth. Um, I went over there and I saw this hat over there for the Nintendo World Championships. Now, 
in my 1990 Culture Chronicles book, because I have another series that c- highlight the 90s. I did an interview with Chris Tang, who I'm going to be on later doing the Tetris World Championships. I'm doing the finals on Twitch with him all day after, like, one, I think, 2 o'clock. Yeah. I'll be on uh, doing the final eight all the way down to the finals. Um, but he did an article, and he talked about this battling for the hat on the Nintendo World Championship stage. He wanted this trucker hat with pink. And Gwyndian had the, had a hat, the same hat over there. So I'm like, I got to get that. I'm going to put it in the display with that article that I wrote. And Chris Tang actually signed it for me. So, because he's here. So I was like, I got the article with the hat from that article. Like, for me, it's like, it's a cool thing. And, you know, it highlights what I'm doing as the books. But to me, it's like more of a sentimental thing. And that's what I kind of collect now. I collect cool stuff. I don't go for, even though I do the complete NES and SNES, I'm not getting a complete SNES uh, collection. That stuff is getting mad crazy. Right. Like, <laughs> like I have, the, you know, the card-only NES side, but it's like with the, with the Super Nintendo, I'm going for what I love, what I like. Zelda hacks. I love, I love blatant Zelda rip-offs. So, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> but that would be my favorite one. Of the, and I did get a limited homebrew, oh, yeah. only five made for PRG that he released. <laughs> Ninja. Ninja. Yeah, but I, I do like my NES homebrews as well. Did anybody else get anything cool? You could belt it out and get on the podcast. Anybody pick up anything really cool here this weekend so far? Actrizer. Actrizer is cool. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yeah, Crash Bandicoot game. Crash Bandicoot. Great series. Love it. All right. So um, name a game, John, All right. what, that you were fooled by the box art. And then turns out to be a terrible game or a good game. Turned out to be a terrible game, oh. and if and if it ends up being a good game, game. Uh, you can you can do either. No, but okay. you were fooled. I know. Reggie starts doing research. He's like, oh, I gotta research real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Opens up the book, thump. <laughs> um, well, I, while I think about a terrible game, uh, the game that fooled me by being uh, a great game, uh, there's a couple of them actually, and the one that comes to mind immediately is uh, Spinky's Quest. Yeah. Because it looks it's, it's, it's terrible. Quest, right? <laughs> and then it looks like some kid cartoony monkey juggling balls or something. I, I don't know. But I rented it anyway because I would have I would have rented anything just to play everything. Um, and it turned out to be a super, super fun puzzle game. A little puzzle platforming action uh, style game there. So Spinky's Quest, if you find it, and it's a great price, and you're just like, it looks like a kid's game, but that's um, and, uh, it's one of, my favorite, one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. It's hilarious. <laughs> Okay. Reggie's doing research or you got it? Actually, a run got it. Because I would have never bought that game like, just by the cover alone. Has anybody heard of Run Saber? Because until I started researching Run Saber in this book, like, I never heard of it. And now I've heard it mentioned more times in the past, like, six months than I've ever heard. Run Saber's like a two player Strider. Yeah, for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, and it's outstanding. Like, it does. It looks like some kind of. Like just normal, Ninja, yeah. Japan type, uh, like steam, well, not steampunk, but kind of like a. What's like Blade Runner? The movie Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Dystopian, kind of like dystopian world. Dystopian world. Yeah, it just looks like a candid game. I mean, he's opening it up. I see more and more that I see. I'll, I'll find. I'll find a terrible game. So, so I, w- I would say while he's looking for a terrible one, um, Phalanx. Has anybody seen oh. Phalanx? Phalanx, yeah. where it has an old man on the cover playing a banjo. It's the greatest label of all time. The greatest, greatest box art of all time. So, yeah. But me being the dorky kid I was at the rental store, I picked it up. 
<laughs> and I was like, let me play. Why not? It's, it might be a fun, like, old man platform where you hit him in the head with a banjo. Like, it turns out it's a shoot 'em up um, and pretty fun. It's not bad. It's no, there's nothing technical to it. It's not one of the best ones. It's probably one of the worst ones on the system, actually. But it's not. It's, it's very competent. It's a very competent shooter. Uh, but I was definitely fooled. Like, you, you wouldn't really know. There's, like, a little jet in the top corner on the, on the cover. Right. But, like, yeah, like, this old man sitting here chilling. Like, I don't know if it was, like, the programmers. It was, like, an inside joke or something. But, yeah. <laughs> Got one? Yeah, I think I do. It's, uh, unfortunately, it's from my favorite series, the Russian Meat series. The very first one that they released was Bible Turf. Yeah, Bible Turf. Unfortunately, the box art is terrible, and the game itself is also terrible. <laughs> it didn't fool you at all. It didn't fool me at all. It multiple ways, actually, multiple times, and unfortunately, yes. Didn't they change the names of the characters in that? They did. Everything just changed. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Something terrible. Anyway, so that was my game. <laughs> That's hilarious, though. You find one there, John? You still looking? No, there's I don't know. There's um, <laughs> a dragon comes to mind. Dragon? Uh, yeah, I mean that. It really is a simplistic. Like very like it looks like a you know metal you know heavy metal font with a fire and this giant demon on the cover. And I popped it in. The little 3D walking around was cool for me at the time. I'm not a PC gamer, so it was like yeah. a 3D uh, polygonal walking around. But then the the battle system was kind of clunky, and yeah, I, I couldn't uh, uh, couldn't go through that one. But the sequel, the Dragon, was phenomenal. The sequel to it, or the pseudo sequel. But yeah, Dragon, great looking label. Uh, the game had, was uh, much to be desired. So, yeah, totally. did all you guys? play arcades back in the day did you go to a, yes. did you have an arcade experience yes. you had an arcade experience yes. so all right so name a game that was you could never get to because it was always packed when you went to the arcades oh yeah it's a good one it's a good one does anybody have one off the top of their head uh, street fighter street fighter absolutely yeah. i think king of fighters for me people in my area we were into king of fighters it wasn't a very common arcade cabinet multiple you know other areas but mm -hmm. for us it was king of fighters king of fighters interesting uh, for me, it was. Well, I'll go with mine then. Um, so, I went a little bit earlier too, but also like all the different beat 'em ups used to always be packed. So I can never. So like I would go there. I want to play Simpsons. I'd want to play Turtles, and I can't get on Turtles because there's always four people there hogging it up, and I'm like, I want to play some Turtles, damn it. So, like, that goes hand-in-hand hand to why the console ones were so, like, attractive to me as a gamer because I'm like, I can never play these, and now I can have it all to myself. <laughs> so, Turtles 2 Arcade Game was definitely a, um, a day-one purchase for me. Like, I got that one for my birthday, which was excellent. Oh, a pan pizza. I still have it on my manual from when I was a kid. Because that, that's actually a, a collector trope is that we all threw out our boxes, right? Um, I took all my manuals, though, and put them in a baggie, which I still have them in the same baggie now. And they're all mint. So, but I'd never, I'd throw out the boxes just like everybody else, though, unfortunately. But I do still have my pan pizza coupon on the back. And, and that's one of those things with my nostalgia series. I actually put the picture of the pan coupon in the in the book on the on the article for Turtles too. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what was the game? You got one? Oh, no, yeah. You got an arcade game. It was any of these sit down driving games. Any the sit down driving games? Like, well, like um, I think of like Spy Hunter or even like Cruising USA or something like that. Um, and not because 
like I said, I wanted to play them, but for the most part, people are lazy in arcades. So like, the, like the dude will be playing the video game, and like the girlfriend will be sitting there not playing the video game. Yeah. And I was like, I want to play this game, but she's sitting there and I'm too polite and shy to say like, you want to move your ass so I can actually play this game. <laughs> so a lot of times she's just are, sitting there. She's like... just sitting there taking up the game and not even playing it. So uh, there's a lot of that going on. You know, I want to play like this. There was a sit down. Uh, we had a um, like cockpit style. Uh, Star Wars arcade game. Yeah, yeah. And it's either in play or they were just sitting there, like or like a, like a five year old pretending they're playing it, and the, par the parents are <laughs> off, you know, doing something. It's like, oh, come on, man, you know. Yeah. So, which area were you guys from? Because I'm originally from Chicagoland, Northwest Indiana. So, like, I guess they were a focus. We always like to play the, you know, the four player games and stuff over there. But the fighting scene did get big later. Yeah. So you're from Cali, right? Yeah, San Jose, California. So, and then... I'm a... Okay. I'm from Southern California, from Gardena. Mm-hmm. Gardena? Street Fighter. Yeah. There he is. The um, <laughs> thing with Street Fighter was, like, I was talking about that, like, you know, you go to an arcade, and they have a bunch of people standing around it, and you never get a turn, because they put their quarters on there. Yeah. That quarter on quarters around, so you know you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, in Eastern, I'm, uh, I'm from Yakima, Washington. And I yeah. still live there currently uh, again after moving away. So, so it's interesting too, based on the region you're from, like what people were into as well. Because I, I think it's definitely a regional thing, like how the arcade scene was. Um, one thing that I always say now is that everybody talks about how great the arcades were back in the day. Was anybody on the arcade floor last night? It, that's an, that's what the arcades felt like back in the day. This this is it. Without the layer of smoke. These, yeah, without the layer of smoke. <laughs> so actually, it might actually be better than the rose-colored right, glasses exactly. might lead totally. it to be. But really, like conventions like this and like all over the country, like this is what it is. It's all about like-minded gamers getting together, having fun. I still had to wait in line to play some games last night. <laughs> like that's just how it is, though. Oh, try, trying to get on that new game, the uh, Queen Killer Bee. Oh, Killer Bee. Killer Queen, Killer Queen, the ten-player one. Yeah. That game's awesome, and like, there's always a line. Right? Did you play the six-player X-Men? Oh yeah, yeah. six-player X-Men. Usually jump in that one. Like, yeah. You just kind of squeeze in with your shoulders. You like. kind of have to. Well, you, you're like. I know. I, well, I, elbows. I, I, some, of us, <laughs> some of us adult gamers kind of have you know double plus size here, so you know, <laughs> not, not a whole lot of room to fit six players on a cab and you know, try to squeeze in when you can't do that over someone's shoulders or something. <laughs> they're they're marketing it towards the skinny kids they back were, in the day. Yeah. I was maybe maybe in high school, but not now. <laughs> It's always interesting to think like these developers didn't expect all of us to continue to play these <laughs> retro games. Like, yeah. like they didn't even think that you know this whole it scene would go crazy. <laughs> so we mentioned a couple times with um, with Sergio. Is everybody tracking the homebrew revolution that's happening? Does okay. is anybody not familiar with NES homebrews or SNES homebrews? Does anybody like, not know what a homebrew is? Okay, we got a couple. So let's let's uh, let's do a little educational piece. But essentially, there are games being made right now for the NES. Brand new ones. So when I said that a winner is you or Ninja, like, this was created this year. New plastic, new hardware, new everything, so nothing's being damaged or destroyed. Yeah. So we're so preserving. So, like, to put things in perspective, there were 30 games this year brand new just for the NES. There were, like, over 20 for the Genesis. There was a couple for the Super Nintendo, which is very hard to program for. Right. 
There's a new one for the PC Engine. They're out there. Henshin Engine. It's a new TurboGrafx-16 game. Right. Like, it's mind-blowing. There's people putting out new arcade games. Strike Harbinger out there with Chris Tang, who's going to be doing commentary. He's doing a new-style game, which it's, like, behind the shoulder, like, um, like, a, space like harrier. a Space Harrier or right. 3D World Runner. That's great. Yeah, it looks awesome. And, and as you're playing, air shoots you in the face and blows you back. <laughs> you're like, ah! <laughs> but, I mean, there's passionate people out there creating new games and to, and to put things into perspective do you know how many licensed NES games there were? Uh, for the US? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say it was 678 Correct. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I got so, you covered. So um, there's 678 yep. license. Before Famicom. There you go. So. Um, so right now there is about 280 NES homebrews that have come out since 2009. Right. Like 280 new games. It's starting to rival half of the licensed NES library of passionate people. Now, some of these are just the ROM that are on a computer, but a lot of them are getting on cartridges. And so that's an interesting aspect, like, that's really cool. And, like, as gamers, we can relive what it felt like to open a brand new game now. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, what is your favorite homebrew game besides for your own? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one, man. Um, no, I think one of my favorites, unfortunately, never saw a complete release. My favorite homebrew is a game called Super Bat Puncher. I Excellent. recommend you go and download it. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. The mechanics are great. The hit detection is excellent. And it's co-op. It's two players. What, is, what does it play like? It's a um, platformer. It's a platformer. It's more like Kirby. Kind of like Kirby mixed with Mario Brothers mixed with what else? Well, you have a giant punching glove, kind of like Rocking Cats, and you punch the crap, punch <laughs> the crap out of bats. And then as you get power-ups, the mechanics open up, and then you can hit the wall and go flying and tumble and go through bricks and do crazy jumps, and you can rack and stack all the power-ups. Um, there's a game out there on the floor. Another one, another homebrewer out there. He's doing a game called Was it Rolly? Uh, yep, yeah, and, Rolly and Pyronauts. And and Pyronauts. So it's a guy who did a Pyronauts game, but it's Rolly, and he has them for play out there. And you're rolling around just like that mechanic in Super Bat Puncher. And then there's another game called Haunted Halloween '86 yep. that's out there. They have the giant cardboard cutouts. That's another new NES game. Sure. And that one you can actually, it's like a beat 'em up, like River City Ransom. And this is going into my favorite one because I like Haunted Halloween 85. Yeah, 80, right now. Yes. In 86, you can rack and stack the power up. So you can do like a uppercut into a flying fist to a crazy teleport back to back movements. Like it's, it's a cool aspect that they're doing. And the thing is, is that we all know early in Nintendo games were pretty rudimentary in nature. And as the Nintendo went on, you saw some complex games. We're getting to that with NES homebrews now. We're getting from the some dude in their basement putting out this little tech demo to we're getting full-fledged NES games that would rival what was on the original NES sure. and maybe be better. Yes. Yeah. Well, Mystic Searches, I mean. Mystic Searches <laughs> with the new 8-Bit Heroes documentary that was uh, yesterday that right. they aired. Like, that's going to be a Legend of Zelda game, except for you can jump and do a bunch of different kind of magical spell right. attacks and, like, actually play the banjo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on it. <There laughs> you, you attack people with the with the mandolin. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah. So, what's your favorite homebrew game? So oh far? no, I'm, and I'm a huge homebrew fan too. Um, it, it'll probably be Mystic Searches when it's released, but in the meantime, um, the Legend of Alia that just came out. Legends yeah. of Alia, outstanding. Um, 
is is a kind of Legend of Zelda style game, mm -hmm. and I could have totally seen myself play that. I could have rented that. It could, it could have been on store shelves. I mean, the quality is that yeah. great. Yeah, and that's like it, like Zelda action RPG, but you have an owl buddy with you. Right. I kind of like also kind of just fly out and attack guys, or you know, I'll fly out and grab behind a buck, uh, behind the trees. Exactly. Or something. And there's like multiple power ups you get as you go through. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I think totally. I think I was the first one to beat that game when it came I, out. I haven't even beat. I posted game, so. I posted this. <laughs> it gets pretty obtuse in no, the sure the, the puzzles later. Yeah. But I, I posted the screen of the finish. He's like, take that down, please. The guy who made it, because like he doesn't want to spoil it for everyone. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was I was pumped that I beat it. Oh, sure. <laughs> Reg? Uh, I don't know if it's considered a homebrew game, but Pure Solar, where Genesis. Oh, that's a homebrew game. It's a homebrew game. Oh, yeah. Sure. Pure Solar, that's an awesome yeah. game. Well, because sometimes there's homebrews that are self built, but then there's like the unfinished prototype and they find the ROM. And they that might be one of the most publicized one, though. Right. Like in recent. Pure Solar. Is everybody tracking Pure Solar? Like, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a role playing game. Yeah, it's like type of, uh, Japanese RPG. It's like Lunar. Uh, it has like so much of the story. The story's told. The, the one unique aspect of that one, so it's for the Sega Genesis, not for the Nintendo. It's an RPG, but it utilizes a feature that was available back in the heyday that was never used, and that's they have a Sega CD CD with it, and you can have CD audio on your Genesis cart as you're playing concurrently with it. It's insane. And you could turn it on or off. You could have the chip tune or the CD, but it actually is something that was a feature back in the day that no developers took advantage of. Yeah. It's freaking craziness. Yeah. And they did a version for a Dreamcast too, didn't they? Yeah, they did a yeah. version for the Dreamcast. Yeah. So what's well, it's HD version, yeah. and it's also available now on Xbox One and PS4 on the yeah. the shops. So, HD yeah. version. Yeah. So like the uh, the Genesis one, you get your classic 16-bit version, and now they've refined it and put it out in HD for people too. Right. And on also on the uh, PSN and the Xbox Live version, you can actually change it back to the 16-bit version. Can you? Yeah. You can do like we can do with um, with the music too for the like with Secret of Monkey Island where you can go. Like from you know, modern to what it looked like on Sega CD, back and forth. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I want to watch it so I can't see what's going on, on the screen. <laughs> Classics. Yeah. So, so the game that got me into homebrews though was Battle Kid Fortress Apparel. Um, that I mean, that one I saw and I was like, holy crap! There's new games. And if anybody hasn't heard of Battle Kid, it looks like Mega Man. It plays a little bit like Mega Man, except for you die in one hit. Yeah, it's like nine times as hard. Yeah, so if anybody's played I Want to Be the Guy on the PC, it was a homage to that on the Nintendo. Right. The cool thing about that game, though, is that every, like, six to eight screens, you hit a checkpoint. And you hit the checkpoint, you're like, oh, I don't have to replay those screens anymore. Um, the one thing that I noticed as I got better, though, is I could get through, like, most of the game without even dying at a certain point. And um, I actually have the limited edition copy of Battle Kid. I did a, a boss fight rush mode on that game, and I actually got a limited edition of Battle Kid 2 when he released it. So I have the same number of both. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that, that's one cool aspect of homebrews, and it's something that I mentioned that you know he had a copy of Ninja with 5, is that these homebrew developers are doing these limited edition runs. So he had five copies of his game available, PRGE, it's a single copy. And as things get bigger in the homebrew community, people are going to get into these games, and these things aren't going to be available. What right. was the one, Starkeeper, that you mentioned? Yeah, Starkeeper. He yeah. had, I think you had one at your table. Like, that is extremely hard game to find. Yeah. Like, we literally were refreshing on Nintendo Age to make sure the guy was going to put it up for sale because he was only doing so many. Right. It was insane. It was a funny experience, it though. It wasn't sold out, they're sold out. You're not going to find them again. That was like what Limited Runs Games doing now, but with a really niche community. Right. <laughs> like, Pretty crazy. Yeah. 
So, um, let's see here. Let's name a game okay. th that changed your life. What's the game that influenced you to do what you're doing? Because you guys all are passionate people that are doing things that take everything. Anything, man. We go off, in VGBS, we go off the, uh, the beaten path all the time. That's the point. So name something. Why, why do you do what you do? We'll start with Reggie. I see your mind going. Uh, I actually got out of video games when I was going to high school. So yeah. I was in the Get out. 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 So good. A Jill sandwich. I know. <laughs> that intro, even though it was corny, it was so cool. And I was Amazing. And that pretty much got me back into games. Yeah. PlayStation era. It's an awesome one. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of one. Okay. Um, okay. The, the only one I can think of. You got is, one. Uh, the only one I can think of, and I've told this story before on the Metal Jesus channel, is Princess Camino of the Sound Kingdom. Which I was wearing the pink shirt yesterday for it. <laughs> you were, you were wearing that. I was, yeah. And um, the reason I love that game so much is I rented it. I loved it, and what I was into um, collecting for Nintendo. And I was collecting for Nintendo before there was a value like there is now. There was no conventions. Um, mm -hmm. I would use like the uh, to tell you how long ago it was. I used the um, the the rec arts binary video game marketplace and the Usenet news groups to buy, sell, and trade games uh, back then. And I couldn't find Princess Mail in the South Kingdom, so my girlfriend at the time, she went to eBay, I'm not gonna go to eBay, she went to eBay at the time and got it for me for Christmas. Um, and she was my girlfriend at the time, we've been married 14 years. I proposed shortly thereafter, and I'm pretty sure that game had something to do with it. She actually knows who I am. That literally changed your life. So that's, that's how that works, man. And, so, and, I've, and I've told that before too, like I'll sell any part of my collection, I don't mind, but Princess Mail in the South Kingdom, that's not going anywhere. That's the original, you know, she eBayed it for me when I wouldn't. <laughs> so that's I awesome. You love that game, I Yeah, chop that, would you? Yeah. Come on, Sergio. <laughs> can't, can't, can't do it, can't do it, no. no I think, uh, I agree with Reggie, though, too. I think Resident Evil had a huge impact on me with regards to gaming. I was yeah. super passionate about that one. But before that, I had River City Ransom. Yeah. That, to me, that even topped Mega Man 2, which was huge for me. Um, the music from RCR was, I think, amongst the best. And I still think it's some of the best. Uh, Kazuo Osawa, the composer, I think he's a genius. Um, yeah. But the gameplay, the combination of it being a platformer mixed with RPG elements and beat-em-up elements, and it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's perfect all around. And it's also the first game that I, I played with um, my now fiancé. You know, it's the first game we played together on one of our dates, and so it's, it's pretty meaningful too. And it's also a game that I played with my brother growing up gaming. You know, he's always had a, a friend or someone to play with, and so it's just, it means something to me. Um, absolutely. Apart from the game being absolutely amazing. So if you haven't played River City Ransom, go go find it and buy it. It's the first time. It's the first time I ever saw an eight bit butt. Because like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's over there doing the, the towel doing the towel behind him. I, like, I didn't know you could do this on a Nintendo game. Alright. Yeah, <laughs> cool. River City Ransom got like a semi sequel on a DS recently. It did just yeah. recently, it did. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. The series is being revived at the moment, yeah. from what I understand, yeah, especially right. in Japan. The Kunio Kun series is what it's known it's as. It's huge. Right. So you know, it's, you know, it's super dodgeball and yeah. And there's. I, ice hockey. There's a basketball yeah. one on oh, the Famicom. Like five or six of them. We mm -hmm. got like two. Right well, yeah. Yeah. There were tons. Yeah. And there's actually a sequel on the Super Famicom that's yeah. pretty cool too. Yeah. 
So I don't think mine's going to be as sentimental as <laughs> Knuckle and Head. But I actually have one that brought me full circle to where I am, which is crazy. So everybody knows that the cartridges back in the day, some of them had saves on them, right? So I busted out when I got my collection back to me, when I came back from Europe, because I was in Europe for a few years in Germany um, with the military. Um, and I came back and I got my whole collection back. So I, I busted open Wave Race 64. I look at it and I look online on Twin Galaxies. Every single time that I had on the game was better than the world record. And I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? So I, I bust open one of my favorite games on the Super Nintendo, another one besides for Zelda, Super Punch-Out. Everyone's better than the world record. And I'm like, what the heck? So I uh, found out there's a gaming convention in 2009 called Infinite Bits in Miami, Florida. And I was out in Florida at the time, moving around. Um, and Walter Day was going to be there. So I'm like, oh, Walter Day is, you know, Twin Galaxies, dude. Let me take my cartridge. So I take my cartridge, my Super Nintendo, plug it into a TV, pull them over. I'm like, hey, can I get some world records? They're all right here on my cartridge. And not knowing, oh, he's like, yeah, but you have to play them live in front of me right now. So, so luckily, I didn't bust out my 64th wave race. But I'm like, all right. So I, I went there and played Gabby J, and I beat him. And I, I was like .02 from the world record. So I'm on Twin Galaxies, but I don't think I have the top record. But I'm there. Right. And through that, I was, I've been writing for many years, like since the 90s. And he's like, I made my Hidden Treasures book that went to Europe, because this is actually my second book that I have published. That's why there's a two on this mine. Um, so Walter Day gives me a card for my contributions to gaming, and I had, you know, my world record attempt, and I had all these world records on cartridges, and, you know, he's a really, he's one of the nicest guys in gaming. And through that card, I went to another event, a Beckett grading, and I met a guy called Joe Simcoe. Does Garbage Pail Kids. However, I didn't know who he was, and I saw his Sweet Rot series. He did this children's book. I'm like, my daughter might think this is pretty cool. She's like, she was three at the time. I'm like, that'd be pretty cool. And so I go, hey, have you ever thought about doing the NES? And he's like, oh, I've always wanted to. And then later on, uh, my buddy's like, you know that guy does Garbage Pail Kids, and he just agreed to do your cover. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I need to go to Kickstarter with it. And then now it explodes, and now I'm on, you know, uh, up here... Sure. BSing with guys that are like well above my uh, my pay grade on the on the on the internet, but you know it's pretty cool though. I, I think that like due to those games though, I'm kind of in my position where I am because I just basically want to make cool stuff, and like I wanted a Nintendo collector's guide that I could put in my pocket and figure out which boxes and manuals I'm missing, and then everybody went for the color one. So I'm like, all right, so we got this cool cover one. Let me get a guy who does leather work in Europe do this handmade and hand painted. And make something awesome. And then, you know, it's just going to go crazier and crazier. And, and, like, why not have everybody write their stories in my books? I mean, I'm just an author. I'm just a gamer, just like everyone else. I think it would be a really cool aspect, and it makes it really fun for everyone. That's just it. Totally. So I didn't win. Okay. But it comes full. And it literally changed, like, how I'm doing things. Because, you know, I'm able to come to conventions all over the country and hang out and play games all night. Awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> and all my books are right now with Moto Glass, since now I'm doing the commentary for the Tetris, the yeah. Tetris World Championships. You know, it's pretty crazy. People that you meet, people that you meet. Um, so, name an obscure game okay. that was only released in PAL territories that you like. PAL territories. We're getting crazy. So you know, like like a Mr. Oh. Gimmick. Any system. And, and when you said Resident Evil, that's still 90s, brother. Yeah. 
<laughs> like you were good. Like. <laughs> it's actually a game I came upon recently about a year ago. It's called Chaos Bridge. It's basically like Resident Evil with a cheesy voice actor and crazy lore. Is that on PS2? PS1. PS1. Chaos Break. Chaos Break. Oh, okay. I think there's a Chaos Breaker on PS2. <laughs> like, I swear I had that one. But yeah, so it's Chaos Break. What style? It, it plays like a, kind of like Dino Crisis and Resident Evil put together. Um, With the tank controls and everything? Some of the tank controls, but you, it's not fixed camera angles, only on certain parts. Nice. Controls, so it's an awesome game. Cheesy voice acting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very cheesy. The, the cheesy voice acting are, are, are clutch. It's one, but it's good, though. It's funny. It's nostalgic, but that's Absolutely. You got one, Rick? Yeah, it might be a go-to, and I may have stolen yours, too. I don't know. Um, it's got to be a new Ghostbusters 2. Oh, yeah, you stole mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have a it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, um, we, we in America have a Ghostbusters 2, but then they have what they call new Ghostbusters 2, which plays like the version that we should have had, which mm -hmm. is um, kind of top-down. Um, one button is your... It's not called the zapper, it's called the proton pack. One button is your proton pack, and the other button is the uh, ghost trap, so you have to like hold that and then hit the other button. And oh, yeah. Yeah, totally totally cool game. Awesome. I'm going to play it safe, and I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Gimmick. Ah. I actually really like that sampled uh, bass line that they have. They have like a bass on the game, but it's, I think the way they did it is they had just one sampled uh, pitch, and then they would move it up and down yeah. by changing the... But it sounded like a full-on bass player was playing bass on the game, so I really like the audio in that game. Yeah, great audio. Musician or anything. It's the, uh, the extended audio. Uh, enhanced audio? What do they call it? I think it's what it was. Yeah, Something the enhanced like audio that. on that one. And There's a couple of the It's pretty fun, too. The yeah. platformer. Very Kirby-ish, Mario Brothers-ish. And, um, yeah. and, and that's one of those things, when you see the repros out there on the floor, a lot of them are piecemealed off of actual cartridges because there's a special chip for that music. Yeah. Otherwise, you get just a normal one with bland music. They do make those, too, but it's pretty tough, especially the repro maker. He knows. Yeah. <laughs> so are we talking about the Ghostbusters that didn't come out over here, like the new Ghostbusters? New Ghostbusters, too. The one that's... I think I saw a, a reproduction out there. Yeah. Like green slime in it. Yes. yes. I might pick that up. Yeah, there's some repros <laughs> that they do, so you can play these games. It, it's, it's literally like a, le like a linear Legend of Zelda, though, with the new Ghostbusters 2. It's, it's really cool. Right. It's cool. Um, so since you took mine, I, I'm a, kind of a black hole of knowledge, though, so I'll go with my next one, which is Terra Nigma oh, on the yeah. Super Nintendo. I should have chose that one. Oh, my goodness. I should have chose so, that one. So it's actually part of a trilogy. Um, two of them are released in the States, Soul Blazer and Illusion of Gaia. And they're all awesome, like, RPG yeah. stuff. Style. Terra Enigma blew my mind though because as you're going to overworld you got this mode 7 style scrolling that looks like it's like going around the world as you're going around yeah. it was like amazing and I remember playing it and I'm like playing the game and I'm like oh I'm probably getting near like the end not thinking I'm playing an old school RPG right. and it just like opens up and I'm yeah. like like when you oh. think you beat the game you're like okay now here's the intro to the game and it does chapter and, two. And, and, <laughs> it goes to chapter right. two. You're like, oh my goodness. Because like it does first, break it up by chapter two. Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and then the castle turns upside down. You're like, well, I guess I'm halfway through the game. I don't know. <laughs> I thought I beat the game, but I got a little bit of the game left. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so let's go, um, let's go Japanese. Cool. Excellent, because I, I mean, that's another thing is as we complete our collections and things, we go near Japanese and Famicom, and we want to complete the collections and then expand our horizons. Sure. So what is your favorite game that was not released in the U.S., in, and that was released only in Japan? Let's go to the only Japan. Anybody have one? I'll, I'll I got to think of one here now. I'll, you got to think of one? It's a game called Magical Poppin'. Magical Poppin'. For uh, Super Famicom. Excellent. It is a, one of the best 
to the platformers I've probably ever played. I mean, the music, the platforming. You guys know, you guys have played it before. Mm -hmm. Magical Poppins, I'll stand. So since you're both thinking still, I actually got a two a two answer because they're kind of the same formula, um, both from the Famicom. Okay. Um, one is called Kid Dracula, and basically you're playing as the Chibi style um, Alucard, and you get to go through. It's actually released on the Game Boy at a different yep. a different version of it. It was released, and it's called. Um, I don't know, Akumaju did Sensu, yep. like on the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> like on for the uh, Boku, Famicom, Boku, yeah. Boku Dracula Kun. <laughs> but um, but basically, it's a chibi style action platformer like Castlevania, except for it has better controls. Right. Like to me, it has awesome controls, and then that goes hand in hand with Splatterhouse Wapaku Graffiti, yeah. which is a chibi style Splatterhouse on the Nintendo, mm -hmm. and it's really cool because every level on that one, and I'm a very, I'm a scary movie buff. I love 80 slashers. Um, but it's like you go through all these 80s tropes. Like you're even going through like the classic cabin and you're going through like all the different aspects like with zombies and everything else. And it's like both of those games like go hand in hand. Those are like some of my favorites on the system. So again, um, for me it was the Kunio Kun series. And uh, it's uh, specifically is one called uh, Downtown Special. It's from the Downtown Niketsu series that they had. And it plays like River City Ransom as well, but it, play, it takes place in Edo, Japan. You're running around, it's super amazing. Like they, they've added like, I don't know, hundreds of new attacks, new moves, new everything, and so that's my favorite. So again, it's an RPG beat em up bird. Awesome. Excellent, so in mine, um I was gonna, I was gonna do the, uh, the Kid Dracula for sure. Ha, got um, you back. <laughs> we're, we're almost out of time, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll wrap up. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep mine quick. Um, I'll say it was the Goonies. We got Goonies two in America. Oh, the arcade scene. Yeah. good the arcade choice. Scene. We had the Goonies, but that was the version I wanted on Nintendo. Came out in Japan, didn't come out here. Um, so if you happen to find a Goonies out there, you're like, is this Goonies two? No, it's the first one, and it plays like an arcade game, and it's completely awesome. awesome. We're out of time. So where can people find you, Sergio? Uh, just Google me, Sergio Holograms. Look. Sergio and the holograms, Sergio like Jim and the holograms. <laughs> um, Reg. Oh, Radical Reggie, YouTube, Twitter. Yep. Um, I'm at John Blue Riggs on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, gamer tag, I mean, PSN. Yeah. And as I said, you can go to the complete. You can go to completenes.com or completesnes.com. You can still pre-order the Super Nintendo book. Upcoming book is going to be called NES Oddities, Rarities, and Obscurities: Games You Haven't Played. And there's going to be a Nintendo compendium to go along with that if we hit the stretch goal, which last year we hit it in the second day um, for the for the compendium. Right. So basically, it's going to cover. Unlicensed, PAL exclusives, Holy Grails, unreleased games, Famicom games that you can enjoy without knowing Japanese, and Famicom disc games you can enjoy without knowing Japanese, and the NES Homebrew Revolution. So the book's going to be this size or bigger. Uh, it's because I can't just do something simple. I'm, I got I got issues. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for coming, and we will get off the stage. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>